The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You hear that music, you know the show. Yeah, that, that, that music was a little bit better than what we had last week. So uh, my boy's back there doing a good job. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And uh, it's a good day. You know, there's there were some good things happening over the past weekend leading into this week. Uh, there were some bad things happening, too. You know, we still got to carry over from the Penn State Issues that they're faced with, and again, my, my heart and prayer goes out to uh, the victims. And I think, you know, we don't know to what degree, but I think we can go beyond the alleged victims. And I think I've heard enough and I've read enough uh, to know that uh, this is more than something that allegedly happened. Even with, you know, my man coming on and, you know, giving an interview, uh, you know, stating that he was just horsing around with the little boys you don't horse around in the shower with little boys so whatever is going to happen is going to take some time for the for the truth and the whole truth and nothing but the truth to be told because some lies are going to be told but we're gonna we're gonna get past and we're gonna move on but we really need some strong prayers for those young men uh, and there is more than one there's a lot of them and we're going to need a lot of prayers for them. And, and we're going to have to learn how to embrace and, and help each other in, in times of need. Because you never know when it might be you. You might need somebody to help you out. So let, let's not turn our back and turn our minds and our hearts and, and tune victims out. When they need help, let's, let's help them whenever we possibly can. And I'm going to tell you, speaking of help, Man, I got some great help on my show today. Uh, I, I got somebody with me that can help me talk about something that I know a little bit about. When I Listen, when I was a young man growing up on the streets of Canton, Ohio, yeah, we had streets in Canton, Ohio, and I grew up on the streets of Canton, Ohio. You know, there was a couple boxers growing up back then that I remember in the local area. Marion Connors, way too old for anybody to know. Uh, 1968 Olympic gold champion, friend of mine. Oh man, he did something that just, 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 just took me to another level instead of, in, in terms of a status, because everybody thought I, I was in the know. I knew people. I, I lied and said that Ronnie Harris, 1968 Olympic gold champion, was my cousin. He, <laughs> he came to visit our school and he, he said, "Hey man, how your mom doing?" Lord Jesus, that was a miracle because I, I, I didn't know that Ronnie them knew my mama. You know, but but it made me different and important to somebody. But I'm talking about the sport of boxing. And one thing about boxing, you know, boxing is one of those sports, whereas when you're a little kid, you know, not everybody plays football. Not everybody plays basketball, baseball and all that. But the fact of the matter is, 
you kind of have to learn how to box a little bit or so you're going to get beat up. <laughs> now, you might not make it to the professional level, but you need to learn a little bit about boxing growing up. And, and, and of course, right now I'm on that boxing thing, so I got to introduce my new friend. Listen, we got a show that's going to be coming on the air with us this week. It starts this week outside the ring. What I'm going to call him, I'm not going to call him by his, by his nickname in the ring, which, of course, is Dave Dangerous, David Dangerous, David Dangerous Diaz. I call him, I'm calling him Triple D because Triple D is going to take over for, God bless his soul, my friend, Double D. And they both from up there in Chicago. But let me welcome, if you will now, and all of you welcome with me. David Dangerous Diaz. What's going on, Dave? How you doing, man? All right, man. Not, not too bad. Man. You know, I'm relaxing in uh, Shy City and having the honor and the pleasure of talking with you. Well, I appreciate the fact that you took the time out to, to join us. And, you know, for your show to start off, it really couldn't have been a better week for us here at Voice America Sports to embrace you uh, to the network and, and to the family because uh, along with your career and the, and the great career that you had, of course, starting off with that Olympic gold medal back in the day, man, I, you know, do me a favor. Talk to me a little bit about winning an Olympic gold medal, man. How did it feel standing up there, you know, receiving that medal? Before I get into the other stuff. You, you got the wrong David of that team. Uh, that was David Reed. He was the 156 pounder. He was the only one out of our team to. Uh, oh, David, win. I'm sorry. You, you're yeah. exactly right. My notes. That was David Reed. I, that's yeah. right. You're right. You're right. I, my notes are wrong here, man. I'm sorry. Yeah. But still, but still participating. It's, it's, it's okay because let me tell you something. To be part of an Olympic team and to be in, the, in your nation when, when they host the, Olympic, the Olympics is, is something. That I've always say and will continue to say comes only second to my kids being born, because to be in the opening ceremony when um, uh, we came and, and, and they introduced the whole city, that stadium went loud and chills ran through my body. I I never expected to do anything of that magnitude in my amateur career, and I was fortunate enough and blessed that I was around a lot of athletes, a lot of champions now and former champions that, that were on that team. And um, I was actually blessed and to be part of that 1996 Olympic team. Yeah, that was a that was a 96 Olympic team. And you know, listen, I, I'm I'm like you. I was there on a big stage before and 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 I didn't win that championship either, but but what happened is a friend of mine trying to help me heal from that process of man, I you know, I got this chance, it may be the only chance I ever get in life. He he was able to say something to me which I want to share with you and he said, "Listen, that's okay because the next best thing to playing the game in winning is playing the game and losing because some people never get to play the game and there are so many boxers out there that never ever got a chance to be a part of that ceremony to be a part of the olympics so i know that had to be special in itself oh, as you were saying yes oh yes it, it, it was for that year in 1995 leading up to 96 i was the best amateur 139 pound the great united states of america had to offer and to take that with me, that that year in 95, 96, uh, 95, I, I won the, the, the birth to represent my country um, against everybody else in the whole world, you know, was one of the best feelings in the world. I mean, granted, I didn't win a medal, <clears throat> but I participated in the Centennial Games, and it was just 
an awesome feeling, something that I tried um, along with the mayor here, our last mayor here of Chicago, tried to uh, bring the Olympics here to Chicago. And just because um, I wanted everybody to experience what I experienced that opening ceremony, that day of the opening ceremony. I, everybody asked me, so how was it? And I, I just, I'm like, I can't explain it to you. You just have to be there in order for you to appreciate uh, the value and the magnitude of of that event. Yeah, but then you also went on, man, and to start off 26-0. and 0. Now, hey, that ain't bad either. <laughs> now, <laughs> you know, you talk about that, but talk about the 26-0. and 0. How'd you feel at that point? Well, in that point in my life, um, um, I had uh, actually gone through some trials and, um, and tribulations and, and a lot of things happened in my life that I left in between the, the, the 26-0, that I left the sport for two years. I had a brother who passed away and stuff. And, you know, it, it wasn't until that I left the sport for a little bit and then came back. Then the really good things started happening. So, um, you know, up until that point when I was 26-0, and I, I was feeling really good about myself, feeling that, that everything was going to come together. And uh, of course, like you, you, you talked about some of the adversity that you that you had to face with. How, how difficult was it to come back into boxing after dealing with that adversity? Oh my goodness, it, it was it was hard. First, you have the doubters. Oh, you you got too old. You forget about it. Um, you you left it. You're gonna leave it again. It's easier for you to walk away. Uh, basically, just have to deal with the doubters again. Um, there were some people that. Um, Friends and family that were like, man, I'm I'm so happy you're back. I'm I'm glad that you're doing this again because you got to remember, I've been doing this since I was eight years old. Um, that's all I've ever known. Yes, I've had other loves in in, in other sports. Like I wanted to be Walter Payton. Who didn't? <laughs> you know. But uh, I consider my size and 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 uh, and weight and everything. I was never going to be a football player. So that definitely was out of out of uh, my plans. So I, I decided to stay in boxing and um, and just went through all of the troubles that I went through. My mom, my brother passing away, and um, we got to do a lot of extraordinary things, things that I never thought I would do. And and so if you would look back up on the career, of course, David, you know, for those people out there, as I talked about, just about every young man that I know growing up in the hood, as you as we say, mm-hmm. you know, experience some form of boxing, whether it's a little fight they get into, a scuffle they get into, uh, your greatest moment in boxing. My greatest moment in boxing would have to be um, winning the berth to represent the U- uh, United States uh, in the U.S. Uh, in the 1996 Olympics. Um, that's something that Ever since I was 15, I, I, that's when it started to grow. Because, as you said, the kid from the neighborhood, you know, the hood, like we, we like to say, I mean, I never expected myself to um, travel outside of the United States. But when I was 15, I won the Junior Olympics in 92, uh, represented the U.S. against Ireland. So we went all the way to Ireland. That was my first flight overseas that I was like, whoa, I can't believe this is happening to me, you know, because... I was able to see, uh, obviously, through all the boxing, I was able to see other cities, but now to see other countries, I was like, oh, I, I have to keep on doing this because it was awesome. It was a great feeling, uh, a great uh, sense of accomplishment that I, that I did with, uh, with the sport. People would recognize me. Hey, you're the fighter. You came out on the newspaper, came out on TV. So it started getting a little bit of notoriety. So, yeah, of course, I wanted more and more of it. <laughs> Yeah, it's nothing like that spotlight. And, you know, sometimes it's hard, you know, to give that spotlight up. You know, we have 
just this past week, I'm, you know, spent many years of my life in the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, of course, in, in the passing of Joe Frazier. And Mad the, fighters. Yeah. Mad fighters out there, boy. Philly is a great, a great yeah. fight town, too, man. Yes, I think it uh, is. <laughs> me and you talked about the Blue Horizon and, and just the history of the city. But, you know, a great fighter in Joe Frazier was lost, of course, and, and called on to heaven. But that, that brought about uh, some reminiscences of some of the fights with him and Muhammad Ali and, and seeing Muhammad Ali in the condition that he's, he's in today. David, I know like football players, we never think about the condition and the punishment that our body is taking. Uh, now that it's over, uh, and perhaps maybe I know in boxing, man, they make a call with the right number. <laughs> you might not be over again, but w do you ever think and look back when you watch a fight? Because we're going to talk a little bit about a fight that happened this past week and a little bit more. But do you think about, man, that's a lot of punishment to be taken, particularly directly to the head. A lot of them to the body, but a lot to the head. Yeah, I mean, us as fighters, um, and I'm going to say we as an all, I tend to think that we all have the same mindset in the sense that, yes, we know we're, get, we're going into danger, but we put that in the back of our head. That's the, that's, I believe that's the last thing we're thinking about because we don't want it to happen. You understand me? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. See? So we, we tend to, you know, out of sight, out of mind, you know, and it's out. It's gone. So we tend not to go up into the ring. We... I always think that we're always going to win, or if we do lose, nothing's bad is going to happen to us. Right. Because we prepared ourselves well. We've ran. We've did the 12 rounds of, of shadow boxing, hit in the bag, sparring, did everything that we're supposed to do and go up to that fight in tip-top shape and, and win. Or if we end up losing, not getting hurt and walking out and saying, hey, I did a good job. I did the best I could, unfortunately. Today that guy beat me, or how, that was an easy fight, you know. But we tend to, at least for myself, I know I, when I fought, I never thought about a bad outcome in that sense. The only thing that I feared was losing. And 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 looking back upon it now, David, I'm sure you feel the same way. Is if you had a chance to do it again, would you do it again? In a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a heartbeat, man, I, I know that's how it is. And, and, I, and I brought that up on it because, you know, there's so much going on today with today's athletes. And, and the technology is such that medicine is so much better in terms of evaluating uh, the issues that people are faced with. And we talked about our, our good friend, uh, Double D, from the Chicago Bears, of course. Yeah. And we lost him to uh, mm -hmm. what's known now as, uh, I think, a CTC and some head trauma. Right. But, but listen, we, we ain't going to talk about the bad. In, in fact, that's good. God bless you up there, Dave. But we're going to talk about the good. But what we're going to do is I believe I got to take a break. I hear some music. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about that fight that you watched. A good friend of yours. In fact, a man that you've been in the ring with as yeah. well. So you listen to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. And we'll be right back. flagship station for sports voice america sports 
So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely despise her, especially at 1-2. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine-horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. If you're looking for a radio show about boxing, you usually can't find one until you stop by the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to Outside the Ring with former world lightweight champion and U.S. Olympian David Diaz. We'll deliver the knockout punches with our guests as we go inside the minds of today's top fighters. We'll throw in discussion of other sports as well from time to time. Outside the Ring with David Diaz airs every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time noon pacific on the voice america sports channel your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports all right we're back you're listening to rail of sports on the voice america network i'm in phoenix living like it matters Got my man David Dangerous Diaz with me, uh, better known to me as Triple D, taking over for Double D. God bless him up there in heaven. And uh, we got a friend on the line with us, too. I got all kinds of friends. I got Kevin, who's a friend of the show all the time. And Kev, listen, we about ready to talk about a fight because I know Kev watched the fight. And, and, and I know I'm going I'm to start off with, 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 with talking to David about this only because you've been in the ring with the man before. Yes. And I, and, and <laughs> you you know his talent, he knows your talent. Who's uh, that guy? Oh Who man, we <laughs> we, we talk a little bit about Pack, man. Oh, we talk okay. about we're going to talk a little that bit about man. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about him because the fact of the matter is that guy from what I understand cuz I did not get a chance to see it. I'm waiting to see it on HBO coming up tomorrow or Thursday, <laughs> I think. Uh but I believe there was some controversy. Now, now now Come on now, you got to be. You're part of the media now, David. So, so, so you got to put your media hat on. Tell me a little bit what you saw about the fight, and 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 all honesty, you know who won in your opinion. In all honesty, in my opinion, I think um, they got it right. Okay. They got it right in that sense. Um, I first I could, uh, let me let me be really honest with you. Okay, you got to do that the now. Fight. They're gonna call I you. The fight the first time. As a fan, rooting for Marquez, okay? Mm-hmm. And I, just like everybody else there, I thought about it. I was like, oh, man, they didn't see the fight. And so then on Monday, I sat down and I watched the fight all over again, this time with less distractions, less people hollering and, and going all crazy. And to come down and analyzing the fight again, you know how that's what we do. We analyze the fight um for our next opponent. So we, we go and watch round after round after round again. And sometimes even 
see the same round like two or three times just to catch up and pick up on the spots. And then in doing that, sometimes you, you, you go back and forth. Oh, no, he won this round. Oh, no, well, he lost, and no, he won it again. So that's what I, that's what I did, like if I was going to fight one of them. And I ended up seeing that Manny Pacquiao in the, indeed ended up hitting uh, Marquez more than, more than uh, Marquez did. Okay, hitting. Okay, hitting. We, we know there's hitting, and, and then there's hitting. Right. Okay, so, so hitting. But you also got to understand that there's an art. To, to the sport of boxing. That's why I'm Did glad you know, we got a real you know professional. What the, the, the art is. Go ahead, talk to us. Is <laughs> hit without getting hit. There you go. You that. know that's the art, and who did it the best? Muhammad Ali. He was beautiful at that. But that just goes to show you. Yeah, he had some power with it, but um, Pacquiao would throw a lot more punches and ended up landing more punches. Um, than uh, Marquez. And, you know, you can steal some rounds like that. You know, you got yeah. speed and quickness and accuracy and, in your punches. You can steal some rounds like that. Yes, and that's what that's what happens sometimes, you know. Um, then you, if, if you want to get real technical, you go minute by minute and analyze that minute, you see. Mm-hmm. Who wins that minute? Who won that minute? Who won the next minute? And in, 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 in essence, there was rounds where Marquez started off beautifully, just picking them apart and then, Pacquiao ended up stealing the minute and a half. Okay, so let's let, let, let's do this. Let, let's so those people out there will understand. You know, this is what Voice America Sports is all about. We're gonna bring the people who've been in the ring, been on the field, been on the court. You know, to give you their perspective because they've been there, they've done that. So so do me a favor, David. Explain to people. You know what the judges might be thinking. Do the judges go through the same kind of process you went through in their process? Is it round by round, minute by minute? You know, I, I would hope that, that that's how they would analyze a fight, okay? And now let me tell you this, too. I think judges should have, like, earplugs or headphones or something like that 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 drowns out the noise, okay? You think it's a distraction? Oh, yes. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And it's kind of hard It's kind of hard not to be distracted, you say. Exactly my point, because then all the woos and woes are punches hitting on the gloves but david let me say this to you man it's just like us in the and, and you know on the field or in the ring you block the crowd out don't you think they can focus like that yeah but you know sometimes some some judges don't i mean there's there's fights that have been like totally blown out of proportion just because a guy and this is what i don't get is like how can a, a guy win a fight in the last 10 seconds you well, can't. Well, you can you knock him out. Knock him out like Mike Tyson, you know. Right, you know, my, you knock him out. Buster yeah, Douglas, yeah. He's going to win the whole fight. There you go. <laughs> you know? There you go. Well, like, listen. Like, like there was a round where um, I believe it was the fifth, if not the fourth, where I, I, I started going for Marquez, right, because I broke it down a minute by minute. After the minute that was up in the beginning, he started dying down. Yes, he was throwing punches, but he was not connecting. Like Manny was. So, so David, let me ask you: Is it best if you're gonna hit a flurry of punches to do that at the end of the round, which perhaps maybe might, you know, kind of sway the judge a little bit more, or is it to get that flurry off in the middle or the beginning of the round? That's why, you know, a lot of guys and 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 when they're fighting and they hear that seconds out, you know, ten seconds, or they hear the stomping, that means that there's like ten seconds or fifteen seconds left in the round, and that's when you generally see the fighters pick it up more. And they, that's why they go at it for the last 10, 15 seconds of the fight. Or you might hear the guy's corner say 10, 15, or say a name 
to give them that cue to let them know that there's 20 seconds left. And that, and that's a tactical uh, approach that, okay, we got to get out everything we can in those last 10, 15 seconds. Yes, exactly. And you, think, and you without a doubt, think that that last 10, 15 seconds sometimes could sway the round in terms of the, the judges picking who won that round. Yep. Wow. And like for me, the 12th round, I thought Marquez... Um, in the beginning, you know, like Sunday, <laughs> I was talking to my friends. I was like, man, I just, I just wish Marquez would have picked up the fight more in the 12th round. I, start, I thought he started off late in the 12th round. Come to see the round again, Marquez didn't do nothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see how, how the crowd just, to me, it moved me of what my friends around were saying. And all of that made me think that Marquez did something towards the end of the round, but he actually didn't do nothing. After I seen that, I was like, what the hell was I talking about that I, I felt he should have picked it up? He should have fought the 12th round, and as a matter of fact, he only laid off. He, he didn't even throw punches. Okay, let me, let, let me bring my man Kev in here. Kev, you know, you know we got to respect the men who've done this. Now, mm. now we, we just heard it from David. Now, David said that Pac won the fight. You saw it. What would you think, Kev? Well, I'm going to tell you, uh, first of all, I respect... Dave and his craft a whole lot. Oh, thank you. <laughs> because, uh, you know, I understand about watching the, the films just like we watch films in our craft. Right. Mm -hmm. But I still believe that Marquez got robbed. <laughs> and I say that because what you say is true, where he might have started off kind of slow, mm -hmm. but Marquez was connecting as well, and he was connecting with more power punches. Right. And he threw Pacquiao off his game. Right. Now, and um, maybe I was a headbutt later on in the rounds. It might, you know, if, if they did headbutt. But before that headbutt, Marquez did connect him. And, and that shook him. That shook him. Hey, now, let, let me ask some. I think uh, th this wasn't the first time they fought. Am I right, Dave? They fought right, before. You know, right. This is the, this is the, the third, third one. The third charge. one. Right. This, this, and, and, and when you look at that and going back, uh, you think as those two fighters sit and they analyze the the, the last three fights, of course, looking back on all three of them, uh, was there a reason for somebody to believe that perhaps maybe this is not the only fight of which there was controversy? Because I believe I read somewhere there was controversy on the one prior to this one. No, where actually, for me, <laughs> for me, it was the first one they had. Okay. The first one they had was a dynamite fight. Now let me tell, let me start off by saying that Pacquiao knocked Marquez down three times in the first round, three times. Now and Marquez got up the three times. He lost that round, obviously. But I believe from the second round on, Marquez beat him. He won that fight. hands down, hands down. That that fight, I th I believe they stole him. They stole that fight from from Marquez. Now, why is it why is it in, in boxing so different than many other sports? Is it because it's left up to somebody's judgment if you don't knock a person out? Why is there so much controversy in terms of who wins and who who loses? In this in this particular case, you know, one might think that they still looking forward to that day where where where, where Pack and Floyd get in the ring together. Why do you think there's so much controversy in, in fights, David, in terms of who wins and who loses? Oh, because the people want to see um, the, the the winner go against the winner, you know. They they don't want to see a guy who just lost uh, go against a, a top a top guy. They just want to match number one with number one, and 
and see who becomes the ultimate number one. You know, that's, that's what it's all about. I mean, back in the days, it, it didn't really matter, you know, but now with all the HBOs and the sponsorships and everything in the media, um, they, they just want to see the number ones go at it. So, you, so you're telling me if, 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 if for some reason or another Marquez would have uh, won that fight, that people would want to see, uh, have a less desire to see uh, Pac and Floyd get in the same ring together? Yes. And, and simply because... They see that he's been beaten, okay? And now, and, and you got to take into account that uh, what Pac, Pacquiao has done. This guy has come from what, 106, 106, 116, all the way up to like super middleweight, middleweight, 156, because I believe he fought Shane at 56, and um, and, and won what nine titles in nine different weight classes, I believe. So I mean, and then for Marquez to beat him, then yes, it would have been like okay, he got beat. Floyd and Pacquiao doesn't make a difference anymore. Okay, listen, we got about two minutes. I, I want you to explain to somebody uh, how difficult, what, what else could you, you know, compare that to coming up from those different weight classes? Because for me, it's just a matter of growth, you know, but I'm outside the ring. But it's just a, it's like a kid going from, you know, being a teenager at 13, and then he's a grown, as we say, grown-ass man <laughs> at 18, 21 years old. So he's a different size, you know, but... Right. Explain that how that works in boxing. Yeah, you 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 you're picking up weight. You're going to different weight classes. You right. may, you may be growing, but uh, naturally slow down if you're going to be um, moving up in the weight class. You might lose either uh, your strength, the power hitting, or the speed. One of the two's got to go. You know, usually that's what happens. But the 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 significance of Pacquiao is that he didn't lose none of that. If if anything, he gained. <laughs> The speed and the power, because he was knocking out Haddon. He was rocking Cotto. He was rocking Margaritos. These are guys that are like 147, legit 147, 156 pounders, you know. And he was rocking them. He knocked me out in the ninth round, you know. He came up from 130 to 135, and uh, we went at it. I believe it was a nice little war, but he ended up uh, catching me with a nice left hand, and um, he knocked me out. Then after that, he beat De La Hoya. So there's a big significance. And the the thing that everybody's so um, following, Manny, is because this guy started off at 116, I believe, if not 106. <laughs> so you, you you tend to see the weight difference that he and the 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 height of the uh, of the guys he's fought. It's a big it's a big deal. Pound for pound. Pound for pound. Who, who's the best but, fighter right now? I, Floyd. I think Floyd has has shown his um um boxing skills and, and his maturity in the, in the way of uh, putting out a fighter in Victor Ortiz. Now, a lot of people are going to say, oh, well, he hit him with a cheap shot, uh, uh, an illegal shot. It wasn't illegal. It was a legal hit. Now, was it uh, a sportsmanship um, um, hit? Probably not. But, hey, in boxing, you pick your hands up. Referee tells you, protect yourself at all times. Wow. And Ortiz <laughs> didn't obey that rule and didn't abide by it and got... Um, Went to sleep. There you go, man. That's what they say. Protect yourself at all times. You yeah, got to know yeah, that, man. Go. Hey, hey, David, listen, man. I'm not going to steal all the thunder, man. I'm going to yeah. let you keep some of it for your show. I yeah, look forward to talking, it. man, it's hard to shut me up, man. <laughs> oh, no, man. I just want you to save some of it for your show. Yes. But uh, welcome to the network, man. Thank and again, you. you're going to start Thursday. You're yes, taking man. over for Double D, man. So I, I just want to thank you. Of course, everybody, you know who that is. That's David Dangerous Diaz. Be sure to check out. 
out his show on Thursday. We got to take a break. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and we'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. All right, you hear that music, you know the show. We're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Man, I am just happy, you know. Boxing is one of those things where when I when I was little, all the way up until the time, you know, I went to college and maybe one or two times I was in college, I thought I was Muhammad Ali. And uh something just woke me up one day and made me realize that I was not Muhammad Ali. Uh but um I'm happy to have uh David Dangerous Diaz join Voice America Network and uh uh, David's show, which is called Outside the Ring with David Diaz, is uh, going to start with us. And uh, David's going to be on Thursday. Uh, Thursday, and I believe it's uh, 12 Pacific time. It's either 12 or 1 Pacific. I'm sorry, guys. Y'all can take a look at it. Check, check out the next. 12 Pacific it is. Thanks, Monk. That's my man looking out, making sure I stay on track. Uh, he should have been looking out for my notes earlier when I got some things wrong, but that's okay. Uh, David set the record straight, and uh, listen, man, he did go to the Olympics. He didn't get that gold medal, but, you know, just, and and, and then start off 26-0, and 0, you know, man, come on. Whew. I don't have that, uh, I can't add that. I, I can't put that badge on my shoulder, you know, but uh, great man, great family man, great husband, uh, great father, and uh, 
And the wife, the boss, is making sure that he puts on a great show. They're going to be working together. So I'm looking forward to all that. And I uh, want to thank uh, Kareen and Marcus for making those things happen. But uh, now, me and my man, Kev, we're going to talk a little bit. Kev, you out there in California, and, 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 you know, they always talk about the guys taking the trip from the East Coast to the West Coast and not being able to handle their business. I'm talking on the football field now. Right. And, 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 and then it, I don't know. If they ever talk about the guys from the West Coast going to the East Coast and handling their business, because for me, really, the advantage or the disadvantage is from the West Coast guys traveling to the East Coast because they lose time. The West Coast guy, I mean, the East Coast guys, when they travel to the West Coast, they gain some extra hours to sleep and rest and all that. But I just want to say, when the Giants went in there to candlestick, I kind of thought that my man, you know, Eli would be able to go in there and do some damage. Now he did, but he couldn't. He couldn't pull it off. Are the Forty ers for real, man? Oh man, the Forty ers is for real. Um, seven and one. Wow, you know, or eight and one now. You know, and and that's a surprise because uh, they defense. Uh, they put their pressure on Eli, and they disrupt uh, that whole uh, Giants offense of. Uh, game of playing and you know what's really interesting is that you know with the exception of a player or two this is the same football team that mike singletary had that's right uh i believe that's what they did uh with uh whatever input hallball give them they still have that uh mentality what mike singletary had installed them and what makes it so ironic the giants was uh depending on gore to give them problems. And Gore wasn't really the major factor in the game. Well, I, I, let me just say this. You know, you, you mentioned about Gore. Uh, to me, and this is what I say about Chad Uchocinco, you know, what people don't realize is the threat of the fact that the person is on the field, it, it, it contributes to the outcome of what, what people expect or don't expect. That's true. Be, because even if you don't give the ball to Frank as many times that you think you, that play action pass and everything else is still going to be a, a major factor because you might give it to him. So you, you got to play run first when you playing, uh, against the San Francisco 49ers because of the fact that Frank Gore is there. And Frank, Frank does damage, man. Frank does oh, yeah, damage. Yeah, he does. And well, let me ask you this: uh, We said that Mike Singletary, of course, had this same team, and I'm going to say this to you, and I, I want you to answer this question. You know, in terms of intensity, it, it appears to me that there may be just as much, if not more, intensity with Harbaugh coaching as it is with Mike Singletary. Now, is it is it a different style? It may be a different style, but I don't think it's that much of a different style. See, the thing about Mike, Mike is a Mike is a strong man of faith, so right. I, I don't think Mike is you know dropping a lot of f bombs on people. Okay, uh, and I think Mike's expectations, uh, you know, being one of the greatest to ever play the game, and 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 not necessarily settling for certain things. You know, Harbaugh of course played the game too, but not at the level that Mike did. I, I don't. How do you guys out there in California see the difference in terms of the coaching styles and the way that even the players communicate uh, to the media based upon uh, how they got beat up in the locker room verbally by Mike last year as opposed to maybe the self-embracing by the coach this year? I mean, what is the difference in the styles? Is it apparent at all? I believe what the difference is is uh, 
I believe the players were more, I want to say, kind of intimidated with Mike's style of coaching, even though they learned. Compared to with Harbaugh, I think he gives them a, a little more laid-back approach. He's firm, but yet he can be like more like a buddy-buddy with him. Yeah, uh, but but let me ask you something. Do you think, you know, and it kind of, it kinda, it, it, it kind of, you know, falls into with people feeling that great players can't be great coaches. And I, there's a couple guys who, who've dispelled that because I, I know Mike Dick is a Hall of Famer and Mike Dick won a Super Bowl, although they lifted Buddy Ryan on their shoulders and carried him off as well. I, I thought that was kind of a slap in the face to Mike. You only got one head coach, man. And I, that the one head coach, I think he's a guy that deserves, you know, uh, to be carried off the field if somebody's going to be carried off the field. That's true. Uh, but, I, but I understand what the guys are trying to say, you know. Um, but but do you think that's what it is with, with Mike? Because even in management, now they're trying to say in basketball, you know, Michael Jordan might, be, might have been a great, you know, ball player, the greatest maybe to some, but... He's maybe he's not a great owner, you know. Uh, sure. do, do you think that perhaps maybe some of that with Mike Singletary is the fact that maybe a great player can't be, um, you know, a, a great coach because his expectations of his players and maybe even the demands on his players may be a, a bit far stretched and maybe not even a reality. Yeah, uh, because like you say. Um, Mike, I think he had a greater demand. He wanted to bring the best out of his players. He wanted, I believe he wanted his players to do, like I, like us as parents said, we want our kids to have more than what we had. I did better than what we had done. I think that's what Mike's concept was of his players. He wanted them to perform better than what he performed in his day. So I think the intensity level of his style of coaching you know, it helped, but it hurt it some as well. Yeah, and you know, I, I'm thinking about it because I, I can't, I just can't take that picture out of my mind of him and Vernon Davis. Now, Vernon responded in such a way that his performance on the field has been better since that day. I, and no, my, no doubt in my mind, Vernon's been a better, I think he's even been a better pro. He, he became a captain. Uh, he went out and he performed. And I, I think Vernon might say that Mike might have even saved his career because I, I'm, I'm not saying that at that particular time that Mike should have sent him to the locker room. I think Mike, Mike might have been over the top with that. But I'm saying as a result of what Mike did, and, and I think them having a conversation, you know, man to man, that it turned Vernon's career around, his approach to being a pro ball player and a leader on that team. And I think that really kind of just catapulted that team to to the next level in terms of hey guys the coach sees something in us that maybe we don't see ourselves or we're not willing to take ourselves to that point of challenging ourselves but if we do that he sees something in us that's very special and i think perhaps maybe it might have been a thing in san francisco whereas okay the coach is gone and many times you know like in Philadelphia right now, I think there's a conversation that's going on. Is it time for Andy Reid to go? You certainly, Mike Vick can't go. You just gave him $100 million and you got a lot of that money that's guaranteed. You know, Omni can't go. Nomni can't go. You just gave him a lot of money. Uh, you know, so, so there's some people who can't go, but perhaps maybe the coach can go. And so in San Francisco, it was a thing where, okay, some people can't go, but the coach 
is going to go. And if the coach goes and a new coach comes in, then the new coach can make some decisions. And I think Harbaugh was like, hey, okay, you know, this is Mike's team. I inherited a lot of you, but I don't have to keep all of you. And he didn't say it like that, but 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 athletes know that. We know that right. when a new coach comes in, they ain't necessarily married to us. That's true. Uh, again, what you say is so true. Uh, where you say Mike Dick, uh, Vernon Davis feared that Mike uh, Singletary did save his career. Uh, I thought about what you were saying, and I remember looking at Vernon Davis like it was yesterday when he. Uh, Frisco picked him up in the draft. He was grateful, and he showed that he was ready to get out there and perform. And I guess as time went on, and he knew he was a key factor out there in Frisco, and then Mike just coming in in the beginning, uh, I summed that up as like, if you remember being back in grade school and you had a firm teacher, and that teacher was out for that day, and a substitute came in, uh, some of the students would... Uh, create havoc to distract the substitute teacher from what they were supposed to do. So when Vernon was doing that, like you said, it might have been over the top, but Mike made an example to let him know there's no one person bigger than this organization. Yeah, and and, and I think that's that's what happens when it comes to, you know, professional sports and and some people making demands at different times, you know, and, and that is... Uh, that's kind of what happened in Cincinnati, you know, but for Carson Palmer, you know, he took his stance and, and you know, it ended up that they didn't, re- you know, totally release him. Uh, but at the same time, you know, he kind of got his wish because he's now, uh, of course, with the Raiders and uh, things are looking a little bit different for him. But uh, uh, but but Mike Singletary found himself in a situation where it's OK. Somebody's got to go. Mike had to go. And, and this team has really turned itself around. And, you know, looking at the, the NFC, we, we really don't know other than, of course, the Green Bay Packers. Um, you know, it, does, it looks like uh, the 49ers are right there at their, at, at, you know, at their heels. That, that possibly could be uh, the team of which, uh, uh, if it doesn't go through San Francisco, um, you know, we know it's possibly going through Green Bay. It still has to go through Green Bay. If it doesn't go through Green Bay, uh, that Super Bowl champion or that Super Bowl participant uh, might have to go through uh, San Francisco. But listen, I got I got some music. I got to take a break. We're going to be right back. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Philadelphia Eagles and a couple other teams out there in the National Football League. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. I'll be right back. flagship station for sports voice america sports so andy serling packed his bags left the city and is enjoying his temporary digs in saratoga but that won't stop us from bringing you playing to win the best online handicapping show for serious horse players catch andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of august on location from the beautiful saratoga race course he and his guests are some of the best in the biz they bring you new insights to making money and they tell it like it is i'm three five one in this race but the three is very much the one to be we're going to completely disagree on this race i absolutely disagree 
despise her, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. All right, we're back. This is Rail Sports and Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix and living like it matters. And uh, got my man Kev with me. Hey, Kev, uh, one quick thing, man. I, I said well, I was going to go to some more NFL, and I'm going to get there. But again, California. I, I know you're not in L.A., but California. And, and when you think of, you know, basketball, you got to think California. Either if you think of college, you think of UCLA. If you think of pros, you're thinking of Lakers. It appears that the players, you know, have agreed that they didn't like the latest offer that's on the table. Now they're looking at decertification and things of that nature. Give me an idea of what you're thinking about about this NBA strike. Has it really hit home to you yet? Because I believe uh, I saw last night, um, and I think it was um, uh, one of the former players, uh, you know, said that, listen, the last time they had a strike, a work stoppage, uh, that they didn't... I don't think they went back to work until January 6th. So it hasn't really reached the point of which it did the last time that they went on strike. Uh, but it is, you know, reached the point of oh, games have been missed, checks have been missed. I think they said someplace on the average, the average player is going to lose so far is, has lost about 220 something thousand dollars. Uh, but outside of the money, because see, the money doesn't go in our pockets. So, you know, we, it's not hurting us, but we, we, we could be, or we are going to miss that Christmas Day game. We're going to miss these games. How are you feeling about knowing that down the road you're going to be missing some basketball? Is it affecting you yet? You know, it, it, it has it has some. And the reason why I say some is because we're still in the ghetto season of football. But uh, with, if football is gone and there's no NBA, you know, it's, uh, it's lost. You really, you really uh, lost because a lot of people look forward to uh, basketball. Yeah, and you know what's really interesting about what you just said is that when football, when this happened with football, when there was a work stoppage doing football, the people were in a panic. Even though it was baseball season, they were in a panic. And that just shows you the difference in football and and basketball because I'm I'm myself and I'm a frustrated basketball player. I would have much rather have been an NBA player than an NFL player, but you got to take what you can get, okay? Right. But the fact of the matter is, I, I'm not really missing my basketball right now. I'm not gonna miss it until you know football's over with, and then I'm waiting for the next sport to watch all day long, which is basketball, and it's not there now. If baseball goes away, I, I think I could be okay. For a period of time, because I like baseball. It's one of the first sports I ever played in my life. I like it. I don't love it. I love basketball. But but I'm still okay because, 
you know, I guess the real affinity there for me, the real passion, the, the you know, the blood that makes the heart beat is football. And so since right. we have football, I think we're going to be okay. But, and even the, listen, let me just say this. For all those people out there, when, when the football work stoppage was in place, and the argument was about millionaires and billionaires fighting. I, I just want to correct some people out there. You had that wrong. What you have right is now truly millionaires and billionaires are in a squabble because basketball players are millionaires. Right. Their money is guaranteed. Right. You know, football players, you know, they get mad at you and they cut you the next day and it's over with. But that's the bottom line. You know, that's why you have so many basketball players on a team sitting on a bench that be way down the end of the bench and making and they millionaires. You know, and so and because of that and because, you know, another reason is because in, in, NBA players, you don't see them after their careers are over with. And they look like they've been in, in, in a physical beatdown. But but there's this, this public sympathy for football players because you see that they've been in a very physical, uh, participating in a very physical game, you know, and you can see the damage that it did to their bodies. So I think in terms of, you know, just, you know, the, the public sympathy, I don't think the NBA players are getting much of that right now either. That's true. That is so true. So, so, so when you, when, when you, when you wake up, and the Super Bowl's been played, and the Pro Bowl's been played, and there's no NBA basketball at that particular time. Of course, we've jumped up to February now. Is that too late to try to start a season? I mean, if you're a fan of the sport, you never look at it as too late because you want to watch some of it. If not, you might not get all of it, but you want to watch some of it. You know, because other than that, you'd be waiting around till March just to watch the NCAA uh, tournament goes on. Yeah, well, you know, that's one thing about it. We do have college basketball, and college basketball isn't a bad second choice for NBA basketball because, after all, it's only because, how should I say this, because they have to go to college that there are some pro players actually playing ball in college that should be playing in pro. So, you know, the product is not that much different. You know, in, in college, well, let me take that back. At some universities, there's quite a few pro ball players on those uh, rosters that in a year or two will find their ways, uh, you know, on NBA teams. Uh, I understand now, Big Ben, let me switch on you because we got to get some NFL in here. It, it looks like Big Ben has a broken thumb. Ben Roethlisberger's got a broken right thumb. Do you think that's going to have an effect on, on Big Ben playing? It's going to have some. It's going to have some effect. Uh, we can pretty much be able to see it within the, these next games that's ahead of them because now we into that month of football to where you have uh, 95% of the players are, are hurt or injured, but they're still out there they're giving it their all. The weather has changed now. November, December is the month of you got to play with heart now. Yeah, Michael Vick played with two broken ribs, happened early in the game. Ben Roethlisberger playing with, you know, a broken thumb. Now, I often tell people this. The average person doesn't really know what pain is, you know, other than the stomach ache, cramps, you know, uh, backache, headache, you know, take a couple pills. You know, these players obviously are getting some type of uh, medication to offset the pain uh, so they can continue to play. Um, 
and again, we don't know what the long-term consequences might be, but uh, certainly it, it's something. And, and I, I would assume that, that Ben is going to have to do something in order for him to be able to, uh, to play this week. I mean, think about it, man, a, a, a broken thumb. You know, if, if somebody fall on that hand and he, he, he's got to have a painkiller or something in there to allow him uh, to go ahead and play. And, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that, you know, that's exactly the kind of thing we want to uh, we want to condone. But that's that's what's going to happen. So, yeah. you know, we, we got some games come up this week. You know, we got some pretty big games. Any any particular game out there you waiting to see this week, Kev? You know what? I'm just waiting on any game to come on. That's how much I love the sport because myself being a former player, when I watch these games, I like to dissect uh, the plays well, you know, I, from I, a defensive standpoint. And I can certainly appreciate that. But I tell you, I, I just want to see, you know, Tim Tebow against the Jets. I think they're going to open up a can. You know what, on Tim, and I want to see how Tim responds. Uh, I think he's a great young man off the field. Uh, I just don't think that anybody truly feels that you can win a football game just throwing it. Well, you can. You did. Two Eight times, times but two completions. Two completions. Listen, man, uh, the, the, the man has is, is got favor, and I don't have anything to say bad about that. Uh, the Jesus jerseys. I'm okay with Jesus, but he ain't Jesus. Right. <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you what, he's playing damn good football. I just wouldn't have him as my quarterback. But as Al Davis said, just win, baby. But I got the Jets this week. That's my game of the week. I'm going to pick that because I think it's going to be an interesting game. Listen, time is gone, man. It's fast, Kev. I thank you for joining me, man. You know you can, of course, tune in next week. Give me a call, and we'll chop it up again. Uh, most definitely. All right. And we... I thank you. Oh, man, no problem. Hey, 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 my man David. David Dangerous Diaz. Yes, be sure to check David out on Thursday. Well, that's the end of my show, so I got to go. You've been listening to Rail Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.